of 16 for Euro 2020 is officially in the books and my goodness did we have some historic games that went down these last few days I am joined as always by Chris Sued Chris weren't we just blessed with the amount of great games and all the action that we had in this round of 16 yeah it was it was as a fan it was a delight the only there's only one game that really disappointed but most of these games were great to watch as a neutral and as a fan so yeah we were spoiled uh how, how are you alex how did you enjoy the games oh my god man i i agree with you with everything that you said as a neutral it was so much fun it really was it was a whole lot of fun and um i enjoyed the hell out of every single game except for uh Belgium and and Portugal. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But the game that I thought I wasn't going to uh, to enjoy much, Ukraine and and Sweden, ended up being one of my favorite games. And just because of the outcome, uh, because it it does look like a feel good story, and there was a lot of people that that were very very happy for for Ukraine. And as I of course I I, I believe I mentioned this on the last episode that I know quite a lot of Ukrainian people. And I know how passionate they are about about the sport, so I'm sure they're buzzing right now. And and hopefully, if they're listening, well, congratulations, best of luck to you guys in the quarterfinals. Um, all right, let's let's get to the to the nitty gritty of this podcast. We're going to talk about the things that we loved and the things that we didn't love so much about the round of 16, and then we're going to break down two games of the quarterfinals. So I'm going to start with you, Chris. What was the one thing that you loved from this round of 16? Yeah, it's something that we already kind of just touched upon, and it was the competitive shown during these games, uh, during the during the round of 16. Most of these games were really fun to watch, and it was because most um, all, all the games were, were competitive. It was very close. There was only one game that wasn't very close, and it was Denmark and Wales, in which Denmark just, just put them to the sword, but... Everyone else, uh, three of the la- uh, three of the last four matches that were played went into extra time. Uh, that's Croatia, Spain, Ukraine, and Sweden, and France and Switzerland. And France and Switzerland went to penalties, which was nuts. Yes, Italy won two one over Austria. That was a close game. That I, I I personally didn't think it would be that close, but it was great to see Italy with a with a tough matchup because we've been pegging them as favorites, and everybody's been saying, "Well, we got to see how they do with adversity." They showed real well. Belgium and Portugal was a very close game, and it was it was it was a lot of fun to watch. So, for me, what I would say, what I would, what I loved from this this open from this uh, round of sixteen is just the competitive that we saw across the, the competitiveness that we saw across the board. They just uh, they really didn't disappoint. Absolutely, absolutely, and it was just like you said in the games that maybe we weren't expecting it so much. We weren't expecting this competitiveness. That's exactly where we got it. Because as soon, I don't know about you, but as soon as I I saw Marco Arnautovic score the first for Austria that was then eventually called for offside, I'm like, oh my goodness. Is this going to dictate how the rest of the games are going to be? Because like you said, Wales-Denmark was a bit of a dud. And just in the second half, because the first half was quite competitive, Wales competed a lot, and, and you could even argue that they could have had a goal in the first half. But with this game, with, with Italy and Austria, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is going to open up the game even more. And then, of course, the, the goal was called for offside, but that was just such an intriguing matchup. It was such a good game. Um, and then, of course, we... We have uh, what happened on Sunday, Netherlands and Czech Republic, where one sending off changed the game completely. Matthijs de Ligt getting sent off put the Netherlands to the sword, and ultimately they didn't respond. And and it was the Czech Republic 
from a set piece that got the lead and then on a counter they uh Czech Republic doubles their lead and you you ask yourself if Matthijs de Ligt was playing if he didn't get sent off would the result be the same probably not probably not but it really was very interesting it was so much fun to watch um out of out of all of these games which one was your favorite or which one did you enjoy the most uh man that's a tough question i would say probably france and uh switzerland because we didn't mm-hmm. expect it to, to go that way it was a lot of fun it was it was very nerve-wracking to watch because the chance that the defending world cup champions were uh were put were really uh tested and switzerland i think they demand our, our everybody's respect i i still don't see switzerland um advancing next 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 match i know that uh we'll, we'll talk about that a little later but yeah, they they uh they still they, they they demanded our respect because they took out France, who I until recently everybody thought was gonna win this tournament. So for me, I, that that was the match that was uh, a lot of fun, personally. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's it's very hard to pick one, but that France Switzerland game, it was it was chaos. It was just pure pure chaos. What about Karim Benzema's first goal? That touch. The way he dragged the ball. Oh my god. Ridiculous. This guy's unbelievable. And he was on exile for five years and they still won a World Cup. That also goes to show the the depth that this French team has. But let, let me just get a little sidetracked. Just a little bit. Do you think that Switzerland beating France in this game was a bit of an accident? Or was Switzerland just better on the day? No, I think Switzerland was definitely better on the day. They had everybody that played in 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 that match for Switzerland played out of their minds, and that's what that's what it takes. Uh, we saw we see that all the time in football. It doesn't matter if the team that you're playing is better than you. If you can be the best team on that day, anything can happen in this game. And Switzerland showed it. They they matched France one for one, and they they were there. They they. Every every time France uh, had had a lead, they, they just they, France had a three one lead in the 80th minute, I believe. Mm-hmm. So for Switzerland to show that fight and then take them out in penalties in that way, they really showed that they had a, a bunch of dogs on that team, man. And I say that affectionately, like they they they're they're forced to be reckoned with, and it's going to be interesting to see them play Spain next next uh, in the in the quarterfinals because. They're a real top team, and they had they showed a lot of mentality. Granit Xhaka showed uh, they, that he he's a player that should be respected. He could be the considered the 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 icon of the of this team. I think he's a captain, and everybody overlooks him. They think that his his tenure at Arsenal was really bad. He didn't live up to the the hype that he had in the Bundesliga. And he showed in this game, in this tournament, that he's a player that should be respected. And there's a reason why he's still going to a top team in Roma. And, yeah, uh, Switzerland, uh, showing that, uh, uh, following his lead, they should be respected. A couple of things about Granit Xhaka, now that you brought him up. The first one, he is 28 years old. I thought he was like 33. Um, he's only 28. That's incredible. The second one, did you guys notice? Granite Shaka was drinking Coke in between, <laughs> in between halves in extra time. <laughs> oh my god! Um, and and there was also like a meme of the guy that was drinking water got eliminated. The guy that was drinking Coke is on to play against Spain. So <laughs> there's that. That's so funny. All right. Um, is there any anything else you want to add to? To your um, to your things you liked or what or what you loved. Uh, just if I had to pick someone's for, uh, uh, something that happened to a particular player, it's just that Raheem Sterling scored for England. Like that's such a great story for him. He's been doubted all year, and he uh, did, has, has lost his place at Man City, but he's still a great player. And he has a lot of quality, so I'm happy he scored, and I'm happy that uh, he gets the 
shut those haters up because they talk a lot of smack about him out in England. I don't know why. Yeah, he definitely does does get quite a lot of hate um, from from the people in his own country, and that, that's that's pretty normal, I would say. Um, usually, the most criticism is is from from your own country whenever you are representing it. Um, all right. Well, what what I loved from this round of sixteen was Unai Simone's attitude, and if you guys didn't see the absolute blunder. Uh, <laughs> The, the miscontrol by Unai Simón, the terrible pass by Pedri. I feel like we're not talking much about the bad pass that Pedri made. Um, he, he like, it looked like he was trying to put a through ball to put his uh, his uh, his forward one-on-one against against the keeper. Um, but Unai Simón, he, he made that mistake. And ultimately, if you see the replay and you, you don't really analyze it much, you're going to put the blame on Unai Simón. And he took that. And he says, okay, well, it happened. Let's keep moving forward. And also credit to your boy, Cesar Espilicueta, for being a leader and cheering him up. And and I don't know, we don't know what was said exactly, but I'm sure he told him that it's okay and that it happened early in the game and there's plenty, plenty more to play for. But the way that he came back and the saves that he made and how confident he looked on the ball, even though he knew what already happened and... Let's be honest, majority of the crowd was Croatian in, in, in that game in, in Copenhagen. So every time he touched the ball, there was always something being said or, or some distraction trying to be thrown in his direction. But Unai Simon kept his cool. He was very relaxed. He made some big-time saves. I'm, I'm thinking of one off the top of my head where Andre Kramaric could have made it 4-3 at the beginning of the first half of extra time. Unai Simon said no, and then his defense cleared it. But props to him, he did not let this mistake derail his his performance, his very good performance. You might say, well, he conceded three goals. Yeah, he conceded three goals, but it was a very, very open game. And he had the courage to to grab the ball again and, and to distribute it with his feet. Props to him. That's exactly what we want to see. That's how a true world-class player, a world-class athlete reacts to adversity. Props to him and props to Spain. Because they really surprised me. Yeah. Yeah, likewise. They, uh, they did this another team that deserves respect. They really surprised the hell out of me, man. They, they, they looked like they were going to choke, uh, but they, they pulled it out. They, they really, they, they look like they have the, the mental toughness to get through in this tournament. And we doubted them. We doubted Alvaro Morata. And, yeah, he uh, he came good, and then they they look like they're a force as well. It's gonna be that that matchup with Switzerland is gonna be really something to watch because I think it's both two teams that are really in form right now. So it's gonna be really a, a, a real uh, juicy matchup. And that one opens up the quarterfinals. That's gonna be uh, on Friday morning over here in the in the states, Woo-hoo. of course. The, that that's gonna open it up, man. And what a way to open it up. Um, a little history lesson for for everyone here. Do you remember that game, Chris, um, in, in the 2010 World Cup, the opener for Group H between Spain and Switzerland? Or I don't know if it was the opener, but, well, for, for each team it was. I'm, I'm sure you remember that game where Spain had like 80% possession and they lost one nothing to Switzerland. Say again, say again. Yeah. Oh, uh, did I cut off? Yeah, say that one more time. Okay. Um, I was saying, a history lesson for, for all of us here. Back in 2010, Spain and Switzerland faced off to open up Group H in the in the 2010 World Cup. And Switzerland beat Spain 1-0 with Spain having like 75-80% possession. Uh, Switzerland, in, in that goal, Pique was hurt. They like they slashed his eyebrow or something like that. It was It was incredibly dramatic. And then... What happened, eventually, Spain became the world champions. I, I don't know. I just thought that that was curious since they get to face off again on Friday. Oh, yeah, that's a great point. I mean, it's, they did. They did it, I'm just looking it up now. They, they won in June 16, 2010, won nothing. So mm-hmm. it could be, it, they, that definitely could be history repeating itself. That could definitely happen. But if, if Switzerland ain't going to win, it's going to be something of that sort. It's going to be a scoreline of that sort. So that could definitely happen. 
I wonder but how many I'm, of those players are still are still uh, are still active, like from both sides. I'm, I'm looking at the lineups right now. Um, <laughs> Let me see. Oh, I see Busquets. Then that's it, dude. <laughs> Busquets and Pique. Oh, and Pedro. Okay, but the only one that is still playing in this national team is Busquets. That's insane. Yeah. Maybe if we look on the bench, we'll find someone. No, no I see. No, no, no one. Wow, that is crazy. Now, um, for Switzerland, uh, no one, no one. Just yeah. um, on the bench was Sheridan Shakiri. He never came on. Um, that's it. It's just Sheridan Shakiri. Oh my goodness, that is, that is insane. That is crazy, but, but I mean, it was also eleven years ago. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and Switzerland did have a bit of an aging team because I I remember that a lot of them were considered somewhat vets in the two thousand and six World Cup. So, in the twenty ten, oh, wow. you know, they were they were um, four years older. I, Alexander Fry, oh my goodness, that's crazy. I, I guarantee not a lot of people know who he is, but he played for Borussia Dortmund. Uh, he was a very good striker. He was a very efficient striker. Uh, Swiss Swiss striker. Anyway, we got way off topic. Um, <laughs> let's move on out to the things that we hated about or or one thing that we didn't like about this round of 16. Chris, what was one thing that you didn't like about, about the round of 16? I feel like we're going to have something similar. We're going to have a similar answer. I mean, it's it's the one thing that really stood out to me is just how England, the England national team, is being utilized by Gareth Southgate. Uh, even in a win, they're they're boring to watch. They're just, they, and it's such a shame with all the firepower that they that they have. I don't I don't understand why they set up so defensively. Now, that being said, they got a clean sheet today against Germany. Today's the, the 29th of June. And yeah, man, they... I wish they... I wish if they were going to win, I wish that they were going to show their true potential and show all the players that they have at their disposal because they can be such a free-flowing team. They could be like a, a, a Spain, like, the, like Spain was 10 years ago in which they had... Uh, a team that was winning trophies, that was winning Euros and winning World Cups, but was doing it in an attractive style because they have the quality to do so. And England just set up so defensive. They set up like they're an underdog in every match that they play. And it's it's really tough to watch sometimes because they struggle in, in possession and they have so many offensive players that are excellent in possession. So it's just, it's it's... It's tough to, to, to watch, but if they win it all, then, you know, does, is it, it, it's worth it, you know? It's, but I just wish as a, as a fan of the game that we could watch them to their true potential. Yeah, well, technically in this game, based on the history, they were somewhat of an underdog because there was no real evidence that showed you that they were going to win. With that being said... You mentioned it perfectly, the firepower that this team has. Why do you not utilize it? Jaden Sancho has played, what, eight minutes in this Euro? Jaden Sancho, a guy that's going to make a likely record move to Manchester United. This, the, this is your guy for the next 10 years in the national team. Maybe more. And you're using him for eight minutes? Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you more. It's... it's it's only worth it if you go all the way. If you get knocked out by Ukraine or by whoever you play in the semifinals, obviously it's not worth it. But man, Gareth Southgate is he, I feel I, I feel like Gareth Southgate just kind of he he let that miss against Germany in the 96 Euro penalty shootout kind of dictate the rest of his life. <laughs> it's fifth wonder. I mean, it 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 sounds kind of cruel, but that's that's kind of what it looks like. That's kind of what it feels like. But hey, he he got a big monkey off his back now that he 
he he was able to to coach a team to beat Germany and and you know he he set them up in a mirror formation so yeah yeah man but There's, go ahead go ahead no yeah it's just to harp on that point it's just he did get that ghost off his back they said right after the match uh that he could finally sleep at night because that penalty was probably haunting him all this time so yeah it's it's we'll see if now maybe he feels more compelled that he can play the type of football that we know England can. We've seen them play attacking football under Gareth Southgate before, so it's just that's what makes it hard to watch because you know it. We know that he 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 understands the game. I don't think Gareth Southgate is a poor manager, so it's it's tough to to really see. And so, I mean, while they win, sure, I, I don't think a lot of people are gonna demand for Gareth Southgate to be fired. I mean, but they still are. They, that's that's the whole that was the whole talk before the the, the game started, like the match started was that he went really defensive. He went with a back three with two wing backs and two center defensive mids, just like he's been doing the entire tournament. And he left out Mason Mount, Phil Foden, Jaden Sancho. And uh, so many other attacking and Jack Raylish, and it's just it's it's. I mean, I, I, I'm rooting for England this tournament. I hope that they do well, just because everybody loves England. It, it's it, it's coming home is such a <laughs> a, a romantic storyline. But man, if once they get beat, you already know everybody's gonna have something to say. It's gonna be really tough for them to to escape that that pressure when they get home because. If you keep setting them up like this, man, it's tough to take. Don't you think that a, a game against the Ukraine, with all due respect to their national team, don't you think that this is the perfect platform for them to show their best attacking weapons? The the, the Sancho's, the Mounts, the Grealish, um, even though Mount and Grealish, yeah, it, it's kind of hard to put them in, in the same team because they play such similar positions. But don't you think this is the right or the perfect platform to to show all of the attacking players you have? Yeah, it would be. You would you would think, but you knowing Southgate, I'm sure he's gonna come out with the same the same defensive structure. <laughs> oh, oh boy, poor guy. Um, and to to add to your initial point when you were talking about um, England and how boring they are, even with a win. I texted my friend who was watching the game. I, I wasn't. I was at work. I texted him. What's the score? He says, 0-0. Zero, zero. Boring. I fell asleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this was like at halftime. Um, so, yeah, this the, this poor guy couldn't make it through the first half without falling asleep. That's what he said about this England-Germany game. But it was yeah. it was gonna be cagey, wasn't it? We we couldn't really expect anything else. No nah, man, it was it was tough to watch. I actually myself was falling asleep a few times watching this game, <laughs> and that's what I'm telling you. They were really boring. Even in a win, it was just really boring. Like every other team, every other match was really fun to watch. So you would expect England and Germany. I highlighted that last week as the match to watch, and it was so boring. And it's because England had possession and just passed it sideways because they're their midfielders, the people who are who are controlling that possession, aren't their strong suits aren't to to to, to be creative. It's to break up play. So it's really uh, it's almost like you have to wait until the 70th minute. That and so I can tell you exactly what happened. They they were really defensive for the first 70, 70 minutes. They were really uh, scared to give up the goal against Germany, but they had possession. And then once the game started getting in the dying stages, you don't want to go to penalties with the Germans. <laughs> I'm positive. Garrett Southgate did not want to go to penalties with the Germans. So he brought in Jack Raylish, and Jack Raylish opened up the match. He His, his combination with Luke Shaw on the left side really opened up and gave the Germans fits because we, as you saw earlier, Germany hasn't been the, the most uh, stout team defensively. Mm -mm. They've been in every match, but they, they give up the goal pretty pretty, pretty easily under Yogi Lowe. So, uh, yeah, it really took 
the the last 20 minutes and Southgate feeling desperate and bringing in Graylish to to unlock this game, and it's like if if that if us fans can see it that players like Jack Graylish and Mason Mount and Phil Foden, if they can play more of those type of players and play them together, then yeah, you'll have more success on the field. We don't their 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 defensive structure with the the players that they have is so head and shoulders above the other teams that they shouldn't be punished defensively if they play a back four. And I don't know why he's so scared. It it could just be like we were talking about earlier. It could just be that that penalty missed has, has dictated every decision that he has made ever since. Um, and it's also, it's he's in a position where he has a lot of pressure. He holds a position in which he is questioned about his every move. Every single one of his moves, every single one of his decisions is highly questioned. And I'm not saying that it shouldn't be highly questioned. As as fans and as as people who follow the game, people who talk about the game, we have to ask these questions. We absolutely 100% have to ask the questions. But with that being said, man, you just got to go for it with these players. You absolutely have to go for it. And again, that's why I asked the question. Is the game against the Ukraine the perfect platform to show all of your attacking weapons? The answer should be yes. It should be an uh, it should be an absolute yes. Yes, this is where you bring Harry Kane's confidence all the way up even though he scored against Germany. But this is where you bring it you bring up his confidence. This is where Jadon Sancho starts and he he balls out and he contends for a starting spot in the semifinals. We're getting too ahead of ourselves now. But this is where you show it. And I, I wonder if Gareth Southgate, maybe he, he reads a little too much of of the media. Maybe maybe he hears a little bit too much of the criticism and a little and he listens to a lot of these questions. I don't know. I don't know. I'm 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 not Gareth Southgate, nor do I wanna be Gareth Southgate. He's probably a fine person, but He's in a lot of pressure, always, always. And and that's the, it's the same thing with every single English manager. Roy Hodgson, he was in a lot of pressure uh, in, a, in a high pressure situation. Fabio Capello, he was in, in, in a lot of pressure. Sven Goran Eriksson, a whole lot of pressure. It's just a job. It's a hot seat, always. And and Gareth Southgate, uh, for, for whatever, for whatever it is we, we might like or not or dislike his his style but he's getting the team to a place where other managers weren't and I'm, I'm not defending Gareth Southgate because I don't enjoy his uh, watching his team play but man he's uh maybe his his caution is is what was needed with this English team now with that being said you keep Jack Grealish on the bench for that long I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Alright. All right. Um something similar that I disliked about um about this uh round of sixteen. It was Belgium. I I'm not even gonna criticize Portugal because I don't expect much from them as a unit. Or much excitement from them as a unit. I expect them to be very pragmatic. And that's a word that we love to use here. But this Belgian team. I feel like they went against everything that they believe. And they bet a lot on the counter. And they they sat back a lot. Which I never thought was going to be a real possibility for this team. Based on the back three. Based on the, on, on the, on the wing backs. I didn't think that they would ever want to sit back. But it looks like we have another manager who's in a lot of pressure and is being very cautious and is doing whatever it takes to advance because the pressure is that high. I was very disappointed with this Belgian team as as a unit. But of course, you look at the at the performances of the Hazard brothers down the left. Um, you look at Kevin De Bruyne, uh, Romelu Lukaku. They whenever they had the ball, they were great. But the problem was that they didn't get much of the ball. And whenever they did have the ball, they would have to transition quick because it was always a counterattack. 
So I was disappointed by Belgium. Very disappointed. Um, and I have a weird suspicion that the game plan for Italy on... Uh, it's on Friday. Yeah, on Friday, I feel like the game plan is going to be exactly the same because the Italians are very intense. And, and they're so good with the ball. So Belgium is going to bet on the counter again. Yeah, it's, and it's that's another that's another team that it's just they have so much firepower. Why why don't you unleash them? But yeah, they're probably gonna counter against Italy in the next, in, in 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 the quarterfinals. And I hope Italy puts them to the sword because that their type of technical quality and the way they play should be rewarded. Oh yeah, absolutely. They 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 don't care. They they will. <laughs> They will be on the front foot always, and we'll, we'll talk about them more in a little bit. But they are on the front foot, and th- their philosophy has changed completely. And apparently, Belgium's philosophy has changed a lot, too. That's what it looks like. They are betting on something that they weren't betting on before. So um, that that is very surprising. But at the same time, I get it. I understand. This is This is likely the end of a golden generation. For, for Belgium, because I, I was hearing from the commentators of the game that the youth system or, or the youth uh, national teams in Belgium haven't been doing that great. So it might be another 20 years for or another 30 years for Belgium to see any success similar to what they're seeing now. And granted, they haven't really seen a whole lot of success because, yeah, they, they've made it far in some competitions, but they haven't won anything yet. And ultimately, that's how you how you judge. If you are being very, very, uh, very hard with your judging, you judge it based on what titles you win. And Belgium hasn't won any. Um, maybe with this style, they will win, but it's not fun for the fans. Yeah, yeah. And very, very similar to England. It's just not fun for us who's watching. But if they win, then I guess we can't we can't fault them. They they're trying. They're they're really being pragmatic now. The word that the, the million dollar word we love to say. But <laughs> yeah, um, if they win, then then fine. But as a as a as a fan of the game, it's just so ugly. It's it's really boring. So I I hope and. Uh, yeah, we shall see. All right, let's move on now to the quarterfinals. And we're each going to highlight a game. I want to start with uh, with you, Chris. Which one is the game that you are going to highlight for the quarterfinals? And just give us a brief preview of, uh, of the matchup that you picked. Uh, the, the matchup that I picked is Denmark and Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. And okay. the reason that I, mi- that I picked this match is because I feel like both of these teams are really uh, are in form. They have qual- technical quality all, all over the, their teams, and they're they're essentially it's a, it's essentially the battle of the dark horse. I think whoever wins this match is probably going to be a really strong team and, and, a, and a favorite to win the, the the tournament. But they won't be seen that way because they're not a traditional powerhouse. But Denmark and Czech Republic, both of them just have so much quality, and they look really, really uh, great during during the entire tournament. Really, Denmark had that opening loss, but it was, I mean, the same day, like I said, of Christian Eriksen's accident, or, or I mean, his 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 his, his uh, incident. heart attack, yeah, his yeah, incident. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's Denmark are a really strong team. I think they have they have a lot of fun. Uh, technically sound players all through their team and and Czech Republic do as well. So it's going to be a really fun match. I think that's going to be really one that, that uh, anyone should tune into and have a lot of fun watching. Yeah, it's there's a lot of, of feel-good stories that, that we can talk about. And, and I know that maybe for... For the casual, it's more about the narrative than it is about the tactics. And yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I absolutely love the narrative of a game. And there's a lot of narratives here that you can follow. Um, with with Czech Republic, you have a guy like Patrick Sheik, who we've been talking about for the last three weeks. He's been playing unbelievable. 
um he was he was being he, he was put in Matai Zelik's pocket throughout the entire game and then Matai Zelik uh gets sent off and Patrick Schick just unleashes and he scores the second goal for the Czech Republic and then on the other side you have an entire team rallying around one of their fallen teammates and that to me is stronger than any tactic than any any um any technique or or any game plan or anything like that because they are so so incredibly strong and they are so united that's that that's contagious man they are so united you you just see the way that they celebrate on the pitch on the bench whenever they they score the fans are all rallying together it's it's a lot of fun and then of course if you want to get into the the, the nitty-gritty and you want to talk about the tactics and tactics and stuff like that what about Casper Dolberg I mean I I the only memory I really had of him was that game that he started for Ajax against Tottenham the second leg of those semifinals and he was the worst player on the pitch and then he comes back to Amsterdam he scores two and and he puts his his national team through to the quarterfinals of the Euro so he he provides quite a lot he's, he's a player that provides quite a lot and uh, so does um, oh my goodness! I, his name is is, is uh, Damsgard, the guy that came in to replace Christian Eriksen when he when when he had his incident. I mean, he's been playing really well. He might move to a big club for all we know. And then with Czech Republic, well, we we already know what uh, what happens there. There's a West Ham connection with with Chufal and um, and what oh my god, what's the other guy's name? Um, I'm so bad with names. Um, and Suchek, Suchek. Oh my goodness, I almost forgot. So there, there's a lot. There's a lot there. Who do you think ultimately advances? Uh, I think Denmark go through, and Denmark okay. are a really strong team. I, I, they have a really strong duo in in midfield in in uh, Hojberg and uh, Thomas Delaney, who plays at Borussia Dortmund, and they have Damsgaard, Dolberg, Martin Bathright, who plays who's at Barcelona up top. Christensen and Kyer behind them, Kasper Schmeichel and goal. So they have really everything that you want in a team. They have attacking prowess. They have uh, a steal in midfield, and they have uh, big, strong defensive guys in the back line, and a really, gr- really tough goalie in 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 net. So yeah, I think Denmark go through. I think Denmark go through. Uh, I would say the game would be two. The match would be two one. Nice. I agree. I, I, I like your pick for sure. Um, all right. The game that I'm highlighting is uh, Belgium against Italy. That's why I said that we were going to talk about Belgium a little a little later. And a little later is now. Uh, I talked about the disappointing approach that the Belgians had for their game on Sunday against Portugal. And again, I get that suspicion that they will approach it the same exact way against Italy now. On Friday, because the Italians, yes, as much as they suffered on Saturday against Austria at Wembley, they were still on the front foot and they were looking for for the goal. And their their shooting or, or sorry, their scoring boots weren't on that day. But regardless, they they found the goal with the substitutions, and that to me is the biggest key for this game because Roberto Mancini can approach this game with the confidence that. He does have solutions on the bench. He has them. The guys that uh, uh, I know, Federico Chiesa scored the he scored the the first goal against Austria, and then Pesina also scored. So the solutions can be on the bench. So if the game gets a little a, a little too locked up, and there's not there's not much that that Italy can do with the guys that started the game, Mancini can look over to the bench, and they can do that. And, and they can bring someone in. With that being said, Belgium can do the same because they have a lot of firepower on the bench too. Um, I, I still don't know if Kevin De Bruyne is going to play. I have to look this up. But as of as of right now, I don't know if he's going to play. Um, looks like De Bruyne and Eden Hazard are 50-50 to, to play. So who knows? It's one game if Kevin De Bruyne plays. It's a completely different game if Kevin De Bruyne doesn't play. Uh, and by the way, Kevin De Bruyne's birthday was yesterday, so happy birthday to him! He, dirty thirty. Um, I I I do see Italy advancing, 
Uh, and this is the end of the golden generation for Belgium. And it's good. Well, I think the end is in the World Cup. But if if it wasn't now, the, this was the situation in which the Belgians had the best chance to go all the way. And if they they exit the tournament in the quarterfinals, uh, you got to start questioning Roberto Martinez a lot. You got to start questioning him a lot. Maybe he's not it. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's not the one that should be managing this team. Maybe it should be someone else. But we might be getting a little too ahead of ourselves. I do think Italy advances, um, especially if Kevin De Bruyne and Aiden Hazard do not start this game. And here, here's something that I want to say about about Belgium, and I want to say about Roberto Martinez. I was watching this game, Belgium Portugal, with a friend. And we were discussing the lineups. And uh, we were talking about Aiden Hazard. I'm like, hey, man, I don't think starting Aiden Hazard is a good idea. And Chris, we talked about this last week. Um, I I said, I don't think it's a good idea to start Aiden Hazard. How about you bring him in later in the game if, if, if things aren't going your way? Sure enough, they start Aiden Hazard. And what happens? They left him on a little too long, pulled a hamstring. So now, if you don't have him even to play 30 minutes against Italy, you're at a huge disadvantage. That's why I, I think that there are a lot of things going right for Italy and a lot of things going not so right for Belgium. That's why I'm picking Italy to advance. Yeah, that's a that's a smart pick. I think Italy advances for the same reasons. Uh, Belgium, they I think they really need De Bruyne and Hazard to play, and I don't know if they will, and if they will... They probably won't be at 100%. And Italy, I think you really require a Herculean effort and, and all your players uh, playing out of their minds to take out Italy right now because they look sharp. They look focused. They're, they're in form. They're hot. They play defense. They're technically sound. They're well coached. They're organized. So it, I think it's going to take a big, big effort to take to knock them off. And... If Belgium do rise up to the challenge, I think they automatically become the favorite, uh, the, mm-hmm. the, the remaining favorite. I think they everybody would would think, okay, that Belgium's going to win the whole thing. But Italy just looks that good right now, and I, it it they have no re- there's no reason to for anyone to pick against them at the moment. Absolutely, absolutely, I I, I like that. Um, so we're picking Italy to advance, right? Yeah, I'm taking Italy. Okay, for sure. So, um, in yours, you picked Denmark. I'm going with Denmark as well. Um, let's pick the other two. Switzerland and Spain. They open up the quarterfinals. Who do you think advances? That's so tough. That's so tough. Because, literally, I think of the Switzerland national team, and I can see Granite Shaka with that blonde head. <laughs> just, yeah, just leading that leading that, that huddle. And it, it, was, it was so... He, he really... Uh, that was his best match in probably like the last like four years since he joined Arsenal, and 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 it's probably he probably won't play for Arsenal again. But it was so crazy to to see him play at that level because I've seen so much of him the last few seasons that I thought I my mind was made up as as to who he was as a player, and he was really composed. He was a leader. He was. Uh, a winner. He was everything that Switzerland needed to knock off somebody like France. So if Switzerland can do that to a team that think, that I think is much better than Spain, it's really hard to pick against them. But I'm going to take Spain. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And and the reason for it is just Spain looked like I think they they figured out their issues and they're starting Ferran Torres. They're playing with a more uh, a wide open system in which their attackers uh, interchange with Morata, and, and they're all playing with confidence right now. And it's every time they look like they're doubted, they they come out and they, they grit their teeth and they pull out a result. So uh, it's I think I like I like what uh, what I saw from Spain against Croatia. I think Croatia is a very uh, organized and well coached team that just went to the, the final in the World Cups against France. So if they did that against Croatia, they they it, it shows to me that and that was their second game in a row in which they they, they played really well. 
uh, I, I think that Spain finally figured out their issues. And, uh, yeah, I think they pull out the result. I'm not sure the scoreline. And, and it's tough because, like I said, I can see Switzerland uh, doing uh, pulling the 1-0 and, and recreating history, like you pointed out earlier. Mm-hmm. But I think, uh, I think Spain... I think Spain pull out this result, and I'll say 3-1. I'll go 3-1 Spain. Wow, that would be, what, 13 goals in the last three games for Spain? Yeah, I, it, it's tough. that's what I'm saying. I, I want to pick Spain to win, and if they win, it's not like they're not sharp in front of a goal right now. They, they're free-flowing. So I would say if they win, it's going to be because they pull away. So I, I will go 3-zip, yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. That does make a lot of sense though, because Spain isn't gonna win one nothing. They're they're going to struggle, but they're going to score a lot on you. And something that I wanna add to your point, I'm I'm picking Spain too. Um something that I wanna add to, to what you were saying about Spain being so free flowing and, and scoring goals now is that they're getting a lot of help from guys that aren't necessarily there to score the goals. It's it's the it's the Oyarzabal scoring. It's Cesar Azpilicueta scoring. It's uh, Pablo Sarabia scoring. Those are the players that you want to get help from. The guys that that the opponents don't expect to get chances in front of goal. Those are the guys that I want to get help from. Those are the guys that I want to be scoring some of the goals. And of course, Morata scores and... You know, the crowd goes wild, and, and he, he actually, I thought he was going to celebrate way worse than he did against Croatia, but um, I, I know if I was in his situation, I would have taken my shirt off, taken my shorts off, I would have ran around the pitch, but that's a different story. Um, this this Spanish team, this Spanish team is, they, they've changed everything, or they, they've changed our perception, and they've turned everything on its head, and oh my goodness, who would have thought two weeks ago? Yeah, yeah. They really look like a, like a team that was struggling, like a team that didn't have a consistent source of goals in their team, and they don't. They're showing us that they don't need one. They can they can pull it out as a team. Yeah, and that's exactly what they needed. Um. All right, final one: Ukraine and England. Is it coming home, Chris, or is it not? It's coming home. It's coming home. I think England <laughs> pulled this one out. Yeah. I don't know if it's ultimately coming home, but for this match, I think England do get the result. I yeah. think they I think they're gonna play with uh seven or eight defensive players again. <laughs> and they're gonna squeak by with another one zero or two zero match because that's what Gareth Southgate is seems like he's determined to just squeak by during these matches. And we give guys like Jose Mourinho, we call him a dinosaur. We say that he's out of touch with football. But what what Gareth Southgate is doing is pretty Mourinho-esque. So it's uh, if they win, then nobody talks about it. Nobody really cares. But and it, he, he, he better keep winning because <laughs> yeah, he better. Go, yeah. yeah. Once they lose, it's going to be loud. Once they lose, they're going to be asking for his head. So that's, I mean, that's how it is. And we talked about how hot that seat is. Um, I'm, I'm picking England too. I'm picking England, but mainly because I want to be right because I predicted them to win the Euro at the beginning of this tournament. But I don't know why I get a weird feeling that Ukraine is going to pull this off. I get a really weird feeling. Um, it could just be that it was recent and that I, I I I saw them scoring the winner with seconds to spare and extra time. Uh, and, and that's why I get that feeling. But I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I, I can't fully trust England. I can't. I, I, I can't put myself to do that. To me, it's it, it's almost impossible to fully trust this team. I can't. I can't do it. I see the talent and it makes me want to trust them. But then I see the way that they're used, and I'm like, oh, no. No, 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 no. You're doing something that you're not supposed to be doing. But anyway, um, I'm still going to pick England because I think it would be kind of dumb not to. Um, all right, so we're going what? We're going Spain, Italy, and we're going 
Denmark and England, correct? Yeah. All correct. right. All right. Really quick before we go. The, you might look at the at the teams that are taking part in the, in this quarterfinal and you might say, "Why do I want to watch Czech Republic, Denmark, Ukraine, or Switzerland?" How what would you tell those people, Chris? What would you tell them to convince them to watch these games? That these teams that they're overlooking are the same ones that took out the Giants that the, the, that they are used to watching. These are the teams that really are, are they're meant to be here. Everybody who's, who's here on out is, is deserving of their place. And these are top quality teams, man. So all these games, you can sleep on a Czech Republic and a Denmark, on the Ukraine. All these games are going to be really competitive and it's going to be really fun to watch. So, yeah, uh, I would just tell them, these are the, these are the same. These are all these teams are the same teams that just knocked off all all the the giant normal uh, traditional teams that that everybody's so interested in watching. So I would uh, put put some respect on their name, dude. I love that. I love that. That that's that's really cool. That's it's great that you said that, and that's that's powerful, man. Because they're they're looking for the France and they're looking for the Portugal, but hey. France just got eliminated by Switzerland, the team that you don't want to watch. So there you go. All right. Well, that'll do it from us. Uh, I'm pretty sure you guys noticed that there's no video uh, for this podcast. We'll be back. We'll be back with video for the quarterfinal slash um, semifinal preview as well. Chris, what's your social media so these good people that listen to us can follow you? You can find me on Twitter at uh, Chris, S-O-L-O-D-O-L-O underscore. Boom. There you go. And you can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Alex Perez FC. Follow the show at Total Foot Club on Twitter, on Instagram, and on Facebook. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, on Apple Podcast. And while you're on Apple Podcast, give us a review. Five stars, if possible. Let us know what you think about the show that will go a long long way enjoy the games we have a couple of days to rest um maybe some of you hang out with your family since you probably haven't done it in in a good amount of days hang out with your family go out with your friends do something because there's going to be a lot of games to watch on friday and saturday that's it from us take care everyone goodbye